Autonomous Sankara is uh, uh, revered by a number of um, uh, leaders in Africa, both the late and the current. He was known to be a Marxist um, uh, leader uh, who took um, care of his people and, and didn't want these inequalities. One of the things he did, for example, is that he even cut his own salary. And in fact, at some point, uh, he indicated that uh, he didn't want to work in a, a conditioned room, saying that he wants to have a feel of what his people are feeling. So he was the kind of a person who was with the masses and not the kind of leaders that we see today who enjoy all the privileges when the people they are leading are languishing uh, in poverty. So he was a different kind of a leader uh, who took his people seriously. As things stand, what are the current relations between Burkina Faso and the Ivory Coast? Uh, we know that both Burkina Faso and Ivory Coast were colonized by France, and they both coincidentally uh, got independence in August 1960, with Burkina Faso getting independence on the 5th, and then, of course, the Ivory Coast getting independence uh, on, the, uh, on the 7th of August. But then, uh, before then, before Sankara took office in 1984, uh, um, Burkina Faso was, well, was known as Upper Volta, and then he is the one who in fact came up with this name, Burkina Faso. And then since 1960, relations between Burkina Faso and Ivory Coast have been very good. They, they, they have trade relations. Uh, part of the reason, of course, is that uh, geographically they are not far apart uh, from each other, they are in close proximity. Then to answer your question, the two countries do have an extradition treaty uh, between them. So which means that uh, if you commit crime in one country and run to another country, the other country has a responsibility to take you back to a country of origin where that crime was committed. Now, in this case, uh, uh, former President uh, uh, Kompahore uh, did not only leave Burkina Faso uh, to seek asylum uh, in Ivory Coast. He even uh, has uh, Ivorian citizenship. So basically, uh, he's an Ivorian right now. He is seized to be uh, uh, I mean, a citizen of Burkina Faso, and he's an Ivorian. So the treaty does exist. So if you take that into perspective, and then consider the relations and consider the fact that uh, uh, these countries have had these good relations. But the reality of the matter is, by virtue of the two countries having an extradition treaty, it means that the onus uh, is on President Ouattara uh, to, to make sure this is the president of uh, Ivory Coast, Alessandro Ouattara. It's up to him uh, to basically uh, strengthen these relations by agreeing uh, to send Kompahore um, uh, back to, uh, to his country of origin, Burkina Faso, where he could be tried. Because even if he was uh, uh, born and bred in Ivory Coast, the very, by virtue of the fact that there is this existing extradition treaty, then it means that uh, uh, President Ouattara of Ivory Coast has a responsibility uh, to take um, the, the, his citizen and then hand him over uh, to Burkina uh, Faso. So now in this case, uh, the international community has also been made aware uh, of um, uh, the, the president's relocation from Burkina Faso to Ivory Coast. So which means not only do we look at relations between Burkina uh, Faso and Ivory Coast, but we also look at relations within the West African region and then, of course, uh, the global community. Because once someone has been reported to Interpol, for example, then it becomes a global issue and no longer an issue between two countries. That actually brings me to my next question. In terms of international law, what then happens moving forward in the efforts of Burkina Faso trying to secure the extradition of the former president? Uh, 
international law dictates that uh, all the signatories uh, to the treaties that are signed at an international level, they are bound by law to abide by those treaties. So which means that uh, if Burkina Faso is a signatory, then it has to abide by the law. If Ivory Coast is a signatory, then it has to abide by, abide by the law. So in this case, then, it means that even if uh, um, uh, President Ouattara uh, would uh, decide not to hand over uh, former President Kombahora to Burkina Faso, then it means that uh, the president uh, of uh, Burkina Faso might then uh, use these international linkages uh, to then um, use them to put pressure on President Ouattara to, in fact, uh, hand over uh, Kombahora back to Burkina Faso. So it's not as if the decision lies between the two countries alone. Uh, for, for a start, uh, uh, the, the decision has to be taken by uh, the two countries, but then when that fails, then you invoke international law, Interpol comes in, and then all the other international treaties kick in. For as long as they are signatories, then they'll have to be compelled to abide by those treaties. You mentioned earlier on in the interview that Thomas Ankara was the kind of leader that Africa needed at the time. And there have not been many leaders who have risen to that caliber of leadership in Africa since him. What void do you think the loss of Thomas Ankara has left in African politics and generally where Africa is headed moving forward? Uh, Let's start with his age. Thomas Sankara was killed uh, or was assassinated because he was not killed. He was assassinated in 1987. And at that time, he was only 37. So that is one thing. You, you, at the moment, uh, you, you can look across the continent and look at the age of all the leaders that are currently in office and the ones that have just exited. They are all, up, they, they are all um, uh, above 50 or above 60, and some of them, in fact, in fact uh, remain in office until they are after eight years. Uh, or so. So that is one difference. But then in terms of his leadership uh, qualities, uh, we are lacking people who are going to be uh, uh, closer to the people they lead. That is one critical difference. 